Welcome to Season 2 of The Goodness Podcast, the Middle East's first platform dedicated to tackling women's health in a real and honest way. I'm your host, Noor Tahini. I recently had the pleasure of interviewing Kelsey Wells when she was in Dubai a few months ago. She's one of Instagram's most followed fitness personalities with almost 3 million followers, but she also turned out to be one of the most honest and kind women I've interviewed. I hope you'll enjoy listening to this conversation as much as I enjoyed recording it. Welcome, Kelsey. Thank you. It's so great to have you. It's so nice to meet you as well. Honestly, I'm so excited to be here. I love podcasts. I was, when they briefed me for this, I was like, this is hands down a yes. So thank you. That's awesome. Is this your first time in Dubai? Second. Second time Second. in Dubai. And so what brings you here? Like what's what's on this schedule? So I am here with The Active Show. Mm-hmm. So in 2019, I headlined The Active Show as well. And that was, little did I know, the last live in-person event I would do um, pre-pandemic. Mm-hmm. So it's been about two years. And when they contacted me about kind of the show reopening this year, I, it was an absolute yes. I mean, it felt very full circle to have the last thing I did be the first thing that I do, yeah. you know, now that I'm starting to do in-person events and things. And to be honest, when I first came here, I was blown away with this place. I mean, there's no place in the world like Dubai and I always wanted to return. So it's, it, it's yeah, just really grateful, grateful to be here. So that was, that was the last trip you had out of yeah. the U.S. And mm-hmm. this is the first one? Mm-hmm. That's well, we cool. went to Mexico for like a little vacation, mm-hmm. but for work or anything related, yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. So I wanted to kind of get a better idea for your personal story and how yeah. long you've been in fitness. So you're one of the, you're one of the, I mean, biggest, if you want to say, like biggest fitness personalities. I don't love the word influencer. So I Thank usually you. say, no, I appreciate <laughs> that. Honestly, um, one of the bigger fitness personalities on Instagram, you also work with sweat, which is, mm-hmm. um, how do you describe it? It's like an app. It's, yeah. It's a platform yeah. for fitness content. So, um, all of my programming I have, they're called the power programs, PWR, mm-hmm. and all of the workout content that I create is exclusively hosted in the sweat app. Okay. So I am one of now many trainers when it first started, it was just me and Kayla, one of the co-founders, really. But now it's got lots of different women over different modalities of fitness and different types of programming. But all of my stuff is hosted exclusively there. So, um, yeah, I, I love it. I love sweat. I saw a video of you on Instagram recently, and someone had asked you, have you always been fit and healthy? And you were like, no, I have not. So it got me wondering, how did you start and how old were you when you got interested in fitness? Yeah, so I danced growing up as a little girl. Um, What kind of dance? So I was on a local little company and we would do jazz, lyrical, ballet. I did point ballet. I loved it. And I thought, you know, growing up, I thought I was dance was going to be my life. I was going to be a professional and then I was going to be a teacher and all these things. And I had some pretty severe patellar tendonitis actually when I was 16 ended up having to quit dance. And really from 16 to 24, I was pretty sedentary. There was no other form of fitness that I enjoyed whatsoever. But the bigger problem was that I really internalized a lot of the toxic dialogues that unfortunately packaged and sold fitness for a very Mm. long time and still do in some ways, right? And that is that it's about aesthetics. For women, it's about shrinking yourself. It's about changing your body because however it is, isn't right. It's about Um, I looked at exercise as like the ultimate chore, something I do if I felt like I needed to lose weight, you know. Um, I had no understanding of fitness or nutrition Mm -hmm. and what they could and should be used for and all of that. So flash forward, yeah, fast forward, 
when I was 24, I had my son. And he um, was a surprise. I usually don't talk about that, but he rocked our world in every way. He wasn't planned? No. Okay. And I was freaking out. (laughs) But obviously, all things as they should be. I mean, Mm. he's obviously the best, best thing that ever happened to us. But What were you doing at that time? So I had just graduated university and I was working as an interior designer. Oh, no way. Yeah. So I was at a little design house Mm. um, in Salt Lake and it was my first, you know, real job. And my husband was still in school and working part-time and we were just kind of hustling, trying to make ends meet and figure things out and get him finished through school. And I fell pregnant and I panicked, (laughs) obviously, but I worked all the way through my pregnancy and I... I had Anderson, I was 24, and there's this whole, I just remember being an expectant mother, there's, you hear so much about what's coming, right? Everyone's advice, all the things, it's a whole other tangent, but they say there's so much magic, everyone's so excited, it's like this indescribable instant love and mm. um, joy and peace that it brings to your home, and I, I think all of that is true, however, for many women, there's also another side to that. And with myself, I um, quite quickly started experiencing pretty severe PPD and mm-hmm. like postpartum anxiety and depression. And that's something that I was not really even aware of, let alone prepared for in any sense. So with that, I put a lot of shame on myself, right? Because How long did that last? So I would say... It, it was actually probably around three, two or three months postpartum where um, things were started, some, seemed like they were getting worse mm. instead of better as they should have been at that time. And I realized that it was not just like baby blues. It was like it, yeah. I needed to address my mental health, right? And that's when it was one of my midwives who said, we were talking about you know medications, different treatment ideas, plans. And I have nothing against medication. I think medications are important and miraculous for so many people. And everyone's path to healing and health, whether that's mental, physical, or emotional, is going to look different. Mm. And there's so many tools. And I think it's on each of us to um, find our answers, right? And that's going to ebb and flow. But for me at that time, um, I was wanting to nurse my son. And I had previously been on some anxiety medication that didn't do well with me in college. So I was like, I, I felt very defeated and I didn't know what to do. And one of my midwives was like, do you exercise? And I was like, absolutely not. But what does that have to do with anything? And she was like, well, it might help. It might not, Mm. but it might. And I didn't understand how that could possibly be true. It seemed way too simple. It seemed um, absurd to me, but I promised her, I'm like, okay, I'll try. And so at 24 years old, I started exercising for the very first time. I had started exercising a million times and then, you know, quote, failed Mm. two days to two weeks later because it was always about, I hate to say it like this, but for the wrong reasons. It was always about my aesthetics. It was always about hating my body. And for the first time in my life, I was endeavoring to exercise to help my body heal and to um, care for my health. Yeah. And I, it wasn't magic, you know. It was a long road. So when you ask how long did it last... I still have anxiety. I don't face depression, which I'm very grateful for. Um, But I'd say the worst of it was about 18 months for me. And I, with 
With implementing fitness and regular movement, I was able to cope holistically and I was able to manage things through movement and nutrition to a level that I could not just function, but really learn and heal. Mm. And so, yeah, I mean, I, I could talk about this forever, but in a nutshell, like that's kind of how it all started for me was, yeah. was this, my son was the catalyst to everything. And that journey of like my, you know, I'm kind of known for my physical body composition change, my transformation, if you will. Okay. And to me, it's like, yeah, sure. My body looks very, very different. I might have, you know, I'm leaner now, whatever, have more muscle. But those photos, it's what they represent. Because for me personally, my physical transformation or whatever changes you can see in a photo, they're just a visual representation of all the changes that really matter. And that yeah. is the work that I did on my mental and emotional well-being and the ways that I grew and healed. Mm. Um, and it's continuous, right? So, but yeah, for me, it's all about, I guess I wanted to help. I, I felt like it was such an epiphany. Like, whoa, I wanted to shout like, you guys, it's not what we think. Like, it's actually not what we think. It's not a Exercise. Yeah. I'm like, this is, wait a second. And I, I just felt like I wanted everyone to know. And so I kind of started my social channel probably a year after I started my journey. So my first year was very intensely private and personal. That was 2014. 14, okay. Beginnings yeah. of Instagram. Yeah, so 2015 is when I started my Instagram. Okay. So about a year into it. And I had started studying to become a certified personal trainer, not with the aim to switch careers, just I, I started falling in love with fitness. And I mm. had this thirst for, I felt like I was so blown away with the benefits that I couldn't have fathomed that I was like, I want to know what's happening with my body. How's this working? Like what, I had no basis in sciences, right? My degree was, yeah. you know, and, and so I was studying and I just wanted, I started my socials out of a place to help other women who could maybe relate to me to help, you know, spread this great news that I felt like I'd figured out and um, to honestly have a safe space. Yeah. I was going through a lot in my personal life. So yeah. It's wild to look back and think how it all unfolded. Seriously. Yeah. It's like a, a fortunate series of events in a way. Truly. Yeah. Well, I mean, thanks so much for opening up about that. I'm very sorry to hear that you went through PPD. It's very difficult. I've spoken to a lot of women on the podcast who've gone through that too. And they've, uh, they had like various sort of journeys, as you were saying, all different. Mm -hmm. Some of them um, went through therapy. Mm -hmm. Some of them went through medication, et cetera. Mm -hmm. But it's not something people talk about. And no. so it's something that can feel so like guilt-ridden for new mm -hmm. moms because they're like, in that instant, I looked at my baby and I didn't feel this overwhelming yeah. gush of love, yeah. you know? And does that make me a bad mom or not? Mm -hmm. um, but in a way, it's beautiful how that led you to kind of find your, I don't know if you would call it your purpose, if you yeah, would agree. I yeah, I do. Yeah. I do. And I, I appreciate that. And But like you said, though, it is so beautiful. And it's funny you mentioned that I've I've spent so much of this year focusing on and in, in like my um, content and I felt so intensely about kind of sharing mm. um, another learning or just something that I feel like is exactly what you just said. It's kind of destigmatizing struggling, whether that's yeah. with your mental health or any other way. You know, whether it's. It's like, why do we feel like you're either thriving or you're struggling? Mm. Why do we feel like if we're going through a hard time, we're failing in some sense? 
because our hard times and our challenges and our struggles not how we grow and learn. And I feel like you can, as human beings, I know this is a tangent, but it's like life is really and, not or, and so are we. It's about, I mean, I remember the first time I lost someone. Um, sorry, wow. Anderson was a baby, and I remember thinking, like, looking at him laughing, like he was laughing, and, and it brought me so much joy and love. He's like one and a half. But then on the other hand, my heart was absolutely shattered for this loss that I was experiencing. And I'm like, how can you feel such intense, conflicting emotions? And it's just yeah. accepting that life is and, not or. And anyway, my point is, like, we have faced with this pandemic so many different struggles. I've seen, I think, through my unique lens, women all over the world coming to me and, and feeling shame because they're struggling or different things that they feel like they healed from are coming back up, whether that's disordered eating, whether that's body dysmorphia, whatever yeah. it might be. And I just wanted to shout, like, you guys, you're, you're not digressing. You're not failing. failing yeah. Just because you're having these struggles, it doesn't mean that you are broken or weak. You know, it's it's all about, we. there's so much we can't control. And we've all really learned that lately. But the forces that we can control are the most formative in our lives. Mm -hmm. I really believe that. And that's your attitude, your actions, your perspective. And so, yeah, there are days I still have anxiety. And there are days I wake up and it's so weird. It's like hard. And I know that that's going to be a hard day. And it's heavier just for no reason other than that I have anxiety. And I'll use my tools. But now the difference between me and me seven years ago, I could look at it like, wow, why am I still struggling, right? But it's like, no. Back then, I exhausted myself with thoughts of like self-hate and doubt and shame. And now when I feel those same struggles, I exhaust myself fighting for myself and... And I can move through an experience without identifying my worth and who I am. I am not my anxiety, yeah. right? It's something that I deal with sometimes. And I'm no longer ashamed of that. And so I think we need to just drop this feeling of failure and the shame with our struggles and realize that, like you literally just told me, those can be such catalysts for exactly where we need to be, mm -hmm. exactly who we're meant to be. Yeah. And I've, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, but I agree with you because you don't grow out of places of comfort, you know? Like, it's great to have these moments where everything feels like it's going your way because that's where you recharge, that's where you, like, realign, etc. Yes. But that's not where you make massive shifts in your life. That's not where you grow. And unfortunately, I think the culture of, like, toxic positivity and this, like, always needing to be happy and positive, etc., is has has made moments of like struggle or, you know, moments where there's a little bit more friction in mm -hmm. your life feel like something that you need to avoid at all mm -hmm. costs mm -hmm. as opposed to... Which is not healthy. Like, exactly. As opposed to seeing it as being on the precipice of change. Mm. Yeah. Precipice is one of my favorite words. I love that. Good. Love that. <laughs> um, you mentioned that you have some tools you rely on for anxiety. I was just wondering if you're happy to share if anyone listening has Absolutely. experienced something like that. Um, again, I do want to preface this by saying, you know, my answers are my own. Yours might look different. Mm. And I think our fitness is about caring for our health. Mm -hmm. And that means mental, emotional, and physical. And your 
path to healthy living and healing is going to be as multifaceted as you are and it's going to ebb and flow. But for me personally, I've had two really super impactful things and they're not groundbreaking. They're very like common proven, but the first was exercise. You know, we just kind of talked about how I happened upon that. And that has really remained a very sound tool that I use to care for my mental health. Um, And the second is meditation. Mm -hmm. And that came, I started getting into meditation probably, or like trying, learning about it, playing with it. A couple years after my exercise habit was kind of implemented and it's been just as powerful for me, if not more. Okay. Yeah. What kind of meditation do you do? So have you heard of Deepak Chopra? Yeah. Yeah. So his um, primordial sound meditation. Okay. That's my personal favorite. I think there's different meditations for different moods or days or whatnot. Some guided ones can be very beautiful. But for me personally, I love... I started playing around with just silent meditation, self-guided, no music or anything. Mm. And then I... I like Deepak. I really like some of his books and things. And so when I started learning more about that, I wanted to try his modality and it just resonated with me um, very powerfully. So I actually am just finishing up right now becoming a certified you know, meditation teacher through the Chopra Center. No way. Yeah. Congratulations. Thank you. Awesome. I actually haven't talked about that at all yet, <laughs> but um, I just felt like I do talk so much about mindfulness and meditation in my platforms and my content. And I wanted, it was kind of the same thing with fitness, right? It's Mm -hmm. like, this has been so formative for me and I want to share more, but I also, you know, there's, there's one thing is speaking from personal experience, but another is, you know, seeking to be more educated and being able to speak from a bit of a professional background as well. And so with that being my favorite form of meditation, it felt very natural to study through the Mm -hmm. Chopra Center and to start there. And it's been an incredible journey. Um, I'm not sure what yet it's going to look like or how that's going to unfold, but I know mindfulness and meditation, that side of fitness will always be part of what I do. It's nice to hear you talk about it and say like that side of fitness, like to kind of... That's how I see it. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) You you said something a few minutes ago when you were talking about your transformation. Mm -hmm. You said that, you know, people see a different body, but I think when you look at it, you see a different version of yourself or a different mindset, Mm -hmm. maybe. And it's... The fitness industry has a very sort of superficial, quite triggering aspect to Mm -hmm. it. And I, for example, when I was in my early 20s, struggled a lot with body image issues. And I always found... I found the um, the fitness industry to be very triggering in mm-hmm. that aspect, especially the transformation photos, etc. Mm-hmm. And I was wondering, like, as someone who who works in this industry, have you ever felt those pressures? Have you ever struggled with that side of the industry? And if so, how did you navigate that? You know, I I feel you because I did struggle. I mean, my whole life until about twenty five, twenty six, with um body image issues, to put it lightly. Yeah. And, and even some body dysmorphia at times. And and I, I understand exactly what you're saying. And it's interesting because then I have this, you know, kind of journey and I have this new understanding. And mm-hmm. I, I'm a obviously a fitness professional. I'm a trainer, a pretty good one. You know, I'm biased. But my programs are really great, um, very scientifically sound, very results-driven. 
And my intent with putting out that programming is first and foremost to help women use exercise as a tool for self-empowerment. And I wanted to give them the tools that they needed to do that, regardless of where they want to train, um, what equipment they have or don't have, how much time they have Mm -hmm. or don't have, all of that, right? So I've done that and I'm proud of that. But so when I started my programs, women would use them and they would go through similar physical aesthetic changes, just like I did on my journey. Now, I would repost those because I'm celebrating my community. That's Mm -hmm. how I saw it. And I was careful because there are, I only ever posted, we'll call them transformation photos, um, when they had a transformation that was not surface level. So it was the women who said kind of what I did is like, Mm. this represents this. And I, I started like a segment on my social of an IGTV series called Power Progress because I used to post the transformation photo and then post their caption. And the first thing I'd say is like, please read this. Please read it. Because what you're seeing, this is what it represents. Mm-hmm. And it would be that woman's story, which is so empowering and powerful. But just through the last six months and listening to women reach out to me and kind of having some of my own old issues resurface through all of this, I decided to stop posting transformation photos from my community, which I haven't announced. So there we go. But (laughs) a few months ago I did. Yeah. And I felt like because exactly what you just said, I heard when people said, this is triggering for me. And I know that anything I say or do or don't say or don't do could be triggering for someone, right? I can only control my intention and the place from which I put it out there into the world. How that's perceived, I have no control over. So I hope that it helps. I hope that it's empowering and encouraging. And I know for some people, sometimes it it might not be good and that's okay. And I don't take that personally. But with the photos, it was like I heard too many times what you just said. And I remembered, wow, not just me seven years ago, but me at 15, 16, I actually wouldn't have even read the words. Mm. And I really, and it wouldn't have been good for me to see. And also as someone, and, and I do want to say the photos would represent, some would represent weight gain, right? Some would, there's a whole slew of ways that you can aesthetically change when you start exercising regularly True. using a strength training program. Mm-hmm. But just because of the stigmas and the toxic side of the, the way that fitness was packaged and sold for so long and how deeply that affected our generation of women Mm. and my hope to help it not affect the next generation of women like that, I decided that it's not most productive for me to share those photos Mm. anymore. So I've stopped. I will, if people, if women want to share that, of course, I think that's amazing. I'll comment, I'll celebrate with them. I will still share their stories and words. I'll have them on in my little segment and we'll talk about the power progress that you can't see in a photo. You know, and I'm trying to figure out other ways that I can celebrate my community that it's not about that aesthetic change. Um, And again, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Like there's, it's fine to have aesthetic goals if you're going about them in healthy ways. But for too many of us, it can be triggering. And so... I, I, you know, when you know better, do better. It's one of those things yeah. I just feel like at this time, it's not right to continue, yeah. I guess, promoting like that. And so I've made that shift. So it's really, um, I don't know, kind of poignant for you to 
share that with me. So yeah. thank you. Yeah, I mean, I have to, it's incredible the way you think and how aware and thoughtful. And I mean, I can see how much thought goes into all of this for you and how it's really not just surface level and no. how much you consider everything that you put out there and the impact. And you're right to say that you unfortunately are like dealing with the tail end of like a decade or two decades of fitness being seen as purely a weight loss tool, right? Mm -hmm. Like I saw, I was looking at some of the most common questions people ask you on Instagram and it's like, what do you eat in a day and how, how, how much do you weigh? Like that's also like mm -hmm. a super common question. And it's like, okay, here's the information, but that's besides the point, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> Fitness is today still very much seen as, I mean, there's a shift happening and it's thanks to voices like yours that kind of put an emphasis on all of the other benefits of, of, you know, working out, et cetera, and having better nutrition. Mm -hmm. But what do you think it's going to take for people to kind of have a proper mentality shift? It's going to take every individual doing that for themselves. Mm -hmm. Because at the end of the day, only you can change your life. Yeah. Really. And... My realization of that when I was three months postpartum saved my life. It was like, there was this moment, it was one of the first workouts I attempted to do that wasn't just a walk around the block. And I thought it was an easy, simple workout, body weight only, you know. Mm. I had grew up dancing. I thought, you know, you just, I, I thought I had an able body and I couldn't do a sit-up. I couldn't do a push-up. You know, this is seven years ago. I couldn't. I had zero, my physical fitness level was like zero. Mm. And that just hit me. And I just sat on the yoga mat I'd barred from my mom. And I tried to cry silently so I didn't wake up Anderson. And I just broke down. And I realized in that moment, nobody can change this for me. Mm. No one, I can't buy it. No one can give it to me. Like if I want to get my strength back, if I want to help my physical body heal, like any type of how I looked aside... I had to do that for myself, but I could. Mm. And I decided, I'm like, one day I'm going to do this workout that was in front of me. One day I'm going to do it without even, like, it will be nothing. And I just committed to do what I could, which was literally like 15 minutes a day. Mm -hmm. The first time Anderson fell asleep for a nap, which was whenever, I would get out that yoga mat and in silence, I didn't have headphones and I didn't want to wake him up in silence, I would do this workout till the first time I started crying, right? And it really started with just that, that's it. But in that same moment, I saw so clearly how unhealthy I was mentally and emotionally. And the postpartum stuff aside, I'm talking about my self-talk, mm. the way I, there was nothing ever wrong with how my body looked, okay? My, I was, I was not healthy with how I viewed or treated myself, mm. how I spoke to myself. And our internal dialogue matters so much. Like so, so it, much. it matters the most. And I just realized, okay, this is where I am. It was just weird. It was like I was able to be pulled out of my ego self and see what was happening with me. And I was like, I just grew a child in my body and birthed that child in the world. And I was missing the magic of that time and that miracle because I could not be grateful for my body because I hated how it looked. 
And that's so tragic. And I think for a second, I saw that. And I saw how ridiculous it was, but I saw how unhealthy it was. And I thought, you know what? It was the same thing as my physical fitness. Instead of shaming myself for that one moment, I just thought, I can make a change. Nobody can do it for me, but I can. And I was going to. And I didn't care how long it was going to take. I would do little by little. I would do the work, just like with my exercise, right, for my physical strength. I was going to do the work little by little. And I decided to change my life because I didn't want my son to grow up watching me live in that space because it would break my heart if someone that I loved was in that space, right? Mm. So that's kind of how it started. That's how everything started. It was very, um, it just started with exactly that. But back to like your original question, that will only change if enough of us decide to try mm. to like that age old saying, you know, like how do you heal the world? Heal yourself. Yeah. I think that's really true. Like that's actually how we can start. Like how do you love others? Love yourself first. Mm. Cause when you are living from a place of self love and I'm not saying in the toxic positivity way, like I'm saying genuinely show yourself grace, treat yourself with kindness. When we're doing that, then we are able to step into whatever I believe we're all here with a purpose. And how are we supposed to figure out what our purpose is when we are so obsessed with worrying about what we're putting into our mouths mm. or how we look in the mirror? And I'm not saying it's bad to take care of yourself. I'm not saying at all like you don't want to look and feel your best. I'm saying there's a point where it's not healthy, where, where that obsession comes in with... And I lived in that space for so long, which is why I talk so openly yeah. about it, right? With being a certain size or a certain number on the scale. I would be so fixated with the number on the scale that what that scale said, it predicted my mood for the day. Mm -hmm. And that is, that's distracting. It's like diet culture in that sense is the biggest tool to keep women silent the world's ever seen. Yeah. And so it's like now we're breaking free from that. But you're like, how is that? What's yeah. it going to take? It's going to take enough women choosing for themselves that they will show themselves kindness, give themselves grace, step away from the bullshit, and do the work to shift that mentality if they arrived into adulthood like I did, not having it anymore. Mm -hmm. So that hopefully Anderson and my nieces and nephews and the next generation will arrive into adulthood not having to waste all this time unlearning because they already know the truth. Yeah. And that is like what drives me. Like I know we can make that shift mm -hmm. on a grand scale, but it has to start for yourself. That thing you said about like diet culture, it's uh it's actually it's a quote I love and I can't remember who said it, which was that 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 diet culture is the greatest political sedative that's ever been served to, ever been served to women. Okay. But it's true. It's yeah. like it's hundred percent like so much and I remember talking about this with my brother once and I told him, look at how much money I spend a month on my nails, my waxing, makeup, a facial, I get my hair done sometimes. That already means that I have less purchasing power than you do because so much of my money wow. has gone to these things. So that 
forget the fact that women already get, you know, like lower salaries than men do. More of our money goes towards these things. Uh, on top, you know, maybe you do like a slimming treatment or you have like, a, maybe you go to the gym more regularly or whatever that is. And then on top of that, the brain power that it takes from you, like yeah. the amount of brain space that it that it consumes, mm-hmm. even if it's not like at the forefront of your mind, like you said, you know, you get on the scale in the morning, you see a number. For the rest of the day, there is like something like a little ticker running at the back of your head, which is just tainting every experience you have, every every thought you have. Um, and I remember, so I, I went through a year and a half of um, therapy for eating disorder. Oh, wow. In 2018, 2019. Best thing I've ever you. done. Thank you. It was, so it was incredible. But one of the things that my therapist at the time who specialized in eating disorders told me is that if you get on a scale in the morning and the number is higher than what you expected or what you wanted, and then you stand in front of a mirror what you you'll see a woman who's bigger. Mm-hmm. If you don't do that, you'll see the exact same woman, but you won't like mm-hmm. it actually shifts the way you see yourself mm-hmm. in the mirror, which is crazy um to but think. But it's but it's very yeah. real. Yeah. Yeah. And 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 I I look back now at photos that I used to take in like 2017, 2018. I remember in that moment, like taking that photo at dinner with friends, for example, then looking at the photo and thinking I looked huge and like and like that would ruin my mood. And then now I look at the photos, I'm like, I look completely normal. Yeah. Like I look totally yeah. fine. But it was because of the the the, the goggles I was wearing at yeah. the time that kind of tainted everything. Yeah. And that isn't that, I mean, eating disorders and, and that, that that's an actual disease, right? Mm-hmm. Like an illness. Like yeah. I think mental health needs to be destigmatized as well as, you know, if you break your leg, of course you're going to go get medical help. But if you have, if your mental health needs attention, why are there so many stigmas around yeah. that? It's insane. But that aside, you're exactly right. Our perspective of ourselves and of the whole world is so powerful, but it starts with... Mm our perspective of ourselves, our internal dialogue. Yeah. Like that is such a huge driver for the lens that we see our whole lives and this whole world through. And so that's why I say like mental health matters most. Mm-hmm. I am not a therapist and I am not like my degree is not in psychology. However, I'm a fitness professional and I will 100% till I'm blue in the face tell you your mental health matters most. Yeah, And that's why I've always said that and I've always believed it. But it's like I'm on this journey to constantly help as many other people as possible understand and believe the same. Mm -hmm. And so what I do as a fitness professional is that's the driver, right? But I'm redirecting my course with how as I learn and understand Mm -hmm. more and more women's experiences and as my own like growing continues to unfold, right? And that's why, you know, those photos or whatever, that's my choice for me and my community. And that's one little example but I used to talk all the time about this stuff, you know, live from a place of self-love and do that work. And then I've had so many women be like, how? Mm. But how? Like, where do you actually even start? Like, that's all cute and it sounds wonderful. But how literally do you do that? And so I've thought like, whoa, how did I literally do that? After that day, I had that massive experience. And there are, there are actual tangible little things that you can do. And again, my answers aren't, you know, don't just go do what I say, like yeah. go seek therapy to figure out what is your best path to healing. But for me, for example, I always compared myself and then put myself down to anyone and everything, whatever. 
And whenever I, my husband was my biggest advocate for this. So whenever I, for my healing in this, whenever I would say something negative about myself, he would stop me if I didn't stop myself. And he'd be like, okay, you need to say three things that you are grateful for about yourself. And it was so hard in the beginning, like so hard. But that is how, right? Because we can rewire our brains. Positive psychology is very real. And it was, it became what felt very natural for me to mm-hmm. tear myself down. So how, how did I actually start to shift that? I became very intentional about being aware when I was doing it and then redirecting my thoughts afterward. And little by little that adds up, mm-hmm. you know, and that's just one, one example. But if you are exercising and doing, you know, the best strength training in the world and like your physical fitness habits are there, if your mental health and your emotional well-being are being ignored or even suffering and and like then you're not healthy mm-hmm. you know and it's like exercise can and should be used as a tool for self-empowerment but for many who have struggled especially with any disordered eating or eating disorders there's it can also be unhealthy mentally true Exercise isn't always the healthiest thing. That's very true. And I'm super aware of that now. Mm-hmm. And so that's why I'll say your mental health matters the most. So what from what place are you exercising? And that is where you have to start. That's how you use exercise as a tool for self-empowerment. It comes down to the motive for your movement. Mm-hmm. And that has to, we need to pay attention to that or else it's not a tool for self-empowerment and, it, and sometimes it could be harmful. Yeah. You know? Yeah. That of that, the motive for your movement, that's so true. You have to move because you love yourself as opposed to because you hate yourself. Yeah, or at the baseline, it's like if you can't get there, start yeah. with, wow, I like start being grateful for the things that you take for granted. Mm-hmm. You know, like I have legs that I am physically able to exercise right now and many people are not. And that's something that I take for granted mm-hmm. all the time. And so it's like, I'm going to start this workout day. I might not feel like exercising. But instead of having letting that drive be out of an aesthetic place or because tied to whatever calorie intake or burn or whatnot, my drive is, I'm going to set my intention for this workout. Like, I'm grateful that I can exercise. I'm grateful for this physical body that keeps me alive. And I'm going to do something right now to take care of it. Because mm-hmm. how do you live from a place of self-love? you treat yourself with love. You have to start. It's like a, instead of like a negative cycle, it's like a beautiful self-love cycle, but it's real, right? Like you don't, what comes first, the chicken or the egg? I don't know. All I know is when I finally started exercising out of love for my body, to care for my body, because I was grateful for Mm -hmm. my body. And then eventually in a celebration of my body, that taught me deeper than anything else that, wow, I am worth taking care of. Mm. My health should be a priority. I do love my body, but my action came far before I loved my body. But if your intent is right and you follow those intentions with positive actions, you will heal there, yeah. and you will, yeah, and it, it can, you can transform that. Mm-hmm. I, I like to say it like this. I believe that every human being has the right to self-love. And I clarify when I say living from a place of self-love. Mm. However, It is also each of our own individual responsibilities to cultivate that mindset and living from that place. So whether or not you feel like you've been victimized into 
Like I look back and and it's it's wild, right? Because it's it's so subconscious. Like my family, I'm so grateful and blessed that I came from a home with parents who were so good and healthy and kind. And like my mom didn't like she she ex- like she was a great example of real health, but that didn't prevent me from mm. internalizing all of this toxic narrative. It wasn't coming from my direct home, but it still came really deep and hard for me, mm-hmm. right? So it's like everyone's different. But for me, I look back and I think, yeah, I kind of was a victim of all of this, diet culture, whatever. But it's, again, taking responsibility and realizing like, yeah, sure, don't shame yourself, but also don't just sit there and feel sorry for yourself. Yeah. You have to... I saw a meme on Instagram the other day. I screenshotted it. It said... Trauma is not your fault, but healing is your responsibility. Exactly. And it's that whole yeah. idea you were saying of like, can we break the cycle and not not pass this on to like the next generation? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. You, I mean, that's perfect summary. Yeah. So just to wrap things up, I wanted to ask you about some of the most common myths you hear on a on like a, yeah, a regular basis around fitness. So um, I'm guessing one of them is strength training will bulk you up. Mm-hmm. There's there's no such thing. First of all, I want I do want to say the women who um, people are kind of referring to as being bulky in this sense, those are athletes who undergo rigorous training and nutrition programs to gain muscle, and that can be done like anything in an unhealthy or a healthy way. Mm. But you're not just going to grow huge muscles. Like that takes a lot of discipline and consistency and intention to build your muscle, right? So first of all, it's not just like, it doesn't happen when you start using weights, okay? Um, Lots of those women are incredible athletes and that's exactly what they are wanting to do and it's Mm -hmm. awesome. So that said, it's all just the same. Like it's, I know it's funny. It's kind of, like it just annoys me at this point. You mm-hmm. know that that's still kind of a thing. Um, not the people, not the people that think that, but just like that it's still hanging around. Yeah. Because the truth about weight training is that it's a phenomenal option for everyday fitness. And for a long time, it was just cardio, cardio classes, whatever yeah. form of cardio. But lifting weights, hypertrophy-based weight training—that's you're moving in all planes of motion, like a really good program based in exercise science that can help improve bone density. It can help improve your metabolism. Um, Hormone health. Yeah, there's so many like benefits across all of, all types of fitness, and so I advocate for that 100. percent Obviously, like that's my field of fitness, mm-hmm. so I'm you know I love it. So hoping to help as many women as possible um, realize that that is an option. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Other myths. Hmm. Weight. You know the mm-hmm. scale. It will always be. Um, one of my first, like, I kind of, I went like viral, internet viral for, I did this post, I think it was 2016 called Screw the Scale. Mm. And I just went on this rant about, I posted three photos of myself and it was me before I started my fitness journey, me probably six months into my journey and then me that day, a couple of years later. And I think I weighed 140 pounds in the first photo, 120 pounds in the second photo, and 140 pounds in the last photo. So I was the same weight. Mm. I happened to lose weight in between, but then I I was back to my same weight. And it just blew people's minds that like they just nobody believed me. Like, you're not the same weights. And I'm like, as your body composition shifts, you know, like 
people say muscle weighs more than fat. It doesn't. Obviously, a pound of feathers is the same as a pound of lead, but the volume of that mm-hmm. is different. So anyway, weight is nothing more. Like it is not your indication of health. The BMI scale is a bunch of BS, quite yeah. frankly. It was, not only was it designed for men by men, but it's not accurate in so many instances. And so just judging your health, physical health, on the number on the scale, it's not productive. You know, look at the quality of your life. Mm-hmm. Are you moving your body? Are you um, giving your body the nutrients that it needs? Are you fueling your body to feel your best? Are you wanting to gain strength? I mean, health should not be predicated. It's not predicated upon your weight. Mm-hmm. And so I really like one of my, that's one of the biggest myths, I think, is that yeah. your weight, it just kind of doesn't matter. Yeah. And there are obviously outliers or whatever, like, but yeah. So that's a big myth for mm-hmm. me that I'm still trying to push through. Um yeah, I mean, those are the ones that come to mind the main first. Ones. Yeah, there's there is like one thing that I've always found about the about kind of like fitness and health and nutrition, et cetera, That it, I've always found it quite hard to navigate the amount of conflicting information, yeah, right? It's because so hard. I mean, you studied this, which which I'm sure helped a lot. But like, it's like one year. Um, everyone's like, this is the best thing you can do for yourself. And the next year, they're like, no, don't do that. Or like, they're like, fasted training. And they're like, fasted training is terrible if you're a woman of reproductive age. And they, or or yes. like, um, what's that? Intermittent fasting. And then everyone intermittent fast. And then it's like, research comes out that shows that, or or something comes out that shows that research for intermittent fasting has only been done on men and we don't know the impact on women. And mm-hmm. it's just like, there's so much that, I feel the only way through that is to focus on the 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 bare essentials. Yeah, get to the nucleus of yes, and that is exactly what my. I mean, I hate to use the word brand, but like the I guess technically I'm a personal brand, and the the content that I create, whether it's my exercise programs or the advice that I give, I am an FNS fitness nutrition specialist. That's like I have these certifications, and I've I try to study and continue doing my continuing education. I feel like that's a responsibility. That said, I will never ever speak about nutrition you're you're completely right and it's like i will never say like this is the best way to eat mm. and anyone who is saying this is the one best way to eat that's just a huge red flag they don't understand because it's yeah. individual that's the facts mm-hmm. it is individual your exercise and your nutrition is going to be individual what is right and best for me might not be right and best for you. What is right and best for your best friend, your mom, your sister, whoever, it might not be right and best for you. And I know that that's, I'm not trying to help people feel defeated, like, oh, well, then how do I know what to do? I think we are a lot more intuitive than we give ourselves credit yeah, for. Absolutely. And I think when we begin out of the right intent to care for our health in all facets, we will feel, for me, it's like, take a step back and simplify. Your fitness journey is about your health. So, every day make small, simple efforts to care for yourself and your health. Whether that's mental or emotional, physical, move your body, do a meditation, do a gratitude journal, eat something that has a lot of nutrient-dense, you know, ingredients in it, and and seek your path, your goal. It shouldn't be to look a certain way. It shouldn't be to do a run a marathon or hike a high peak. Like, you can do those things along the way, but... If we're talking about general fitness and health, the goal should be living your mm-hmm. healthiest, happiest life. Yeah. 
And that doesn't look a certain way. And it's not a certain size. And it's not a certain weight. And it's not, for sure, not a certain diet. So kind of give yourself a break and navigate this. Do research. Yeah. Listen to people who are actually educated and professionals in the fields. But don't just ever take somebody else's answers as the perfect ones for you. Mm-hmm. Listen, like be intuitive because you are. You Trial know? and error as well, yeah. right? Yeah. Like, yeah. I love that. I hope that like makes sense. That was really good. <laughs> Thank that you. That was so good. Thank you, Kelsey. It was so great to have you on the podcast. Thanks so much for like sharing so much of your journey so openly and honestly. And I think that it's going to be very inspiring for people to hear this no thank you so much you're amazing thanks for listening if you enjoyed this episode please like review and share it and i'll see you next week